Well, good morning to you. I am very glad to be with you this morning. Uh, last week we went and visited with a sister congregation over at North Metro, and it was good to see them. But uh, I just uh, I love being here with you, and I'm so glad that you've chosen to be here this morning. In our scripture reading, uh, Acts 14, verse 21, we find Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey together. The gospel has been received and new congregations of the church were established. And after bringing the gospel to those uh, four cities in the Galatian region, Paul and Barnabas returned to the congregations to accomplish what seems to be two things. The first in verse 22 of Acts 14 is to strengthen the souls of the disciples and verse 23 to appoint elders in every church. And then they continued, as you read down to verse 26, their journey back to Antioch from where they were sent out. It's the will of God for elders to be appointed in every congregation of the church. Look with me at Titus chapter 1 and verse 5. And I want to notice a couple things with you. Titus chapter 1 and verse 5 here Paul is reminding Titus why he left him in Crete. And in Titus chapter 1 and verse 5, he says, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains, and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. That, that statement, set in order what remains, some translate that, and correctly so, that he should set in order or fix what is lacking. That he would serve the need of this congregations in Crete. What they were lacking were elders in every congregation. A congregation without elders is deficient in God's eyes. And so Titus was to correct the deficiency by appointing elders. You'll notice that he says elders in every city, and, and I don't want you to be confused by that. Uh, you see, whenever they were first spreading the gospel, they went to each city, and all the converts in that city formed one congregation together. And so to say elders in every city is the same as saying elders in every congregation. Every congregation was to have elders Without elders, a congregation is spiritually impoverished. Our congregation currently enjoys the guidance of a strong eldership who has a firm grasp on the doctrines of the New Testament. But the time has come when we need several new elders to help guide this congregation. You've heard me speak before that the time is coming when we'll need men, and prepared you for probably a few years now, saying that the time is coming, and it's coming perhaps faster than you think. The time is here. The time has come for qualified, spiritually mature men to be appointed as elders who will watch over and guard our souls. Every member of this congregation ought to pray for the men who are pleasing in God's sight, who are qualified in His sight, to be appointed as elders. And then we ought to spend time thinking, considering who has the quality of character described in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. We have some, uh, some suggestion forms available. 
that every member can have and make suggestions concerning men who are qualified to oversee this congregation. But uh, there was something that the elders asked me uh, to mention, and I think it's wise to mention it. That is that before you just throw a name in the box, talk to the man. Because he may have something personal, something, some personal shortcoming that is stopping him from being qualified to serve as an elder in this congregation. And if he should say, yes, there is a, a shortcoming that I have, and I'm not fit to serve as an elder in this congregation, please don't tempt him by putting him forth as a suggested man to serve. I can tell you that, that some men would be very tempted if the elders came to them and said, we would like you to serve as an elder of this congregation. There is a certain status, a certain amount of authority that does come with being an elder of a congregation. Some would be very tempted by that. Be careful about who you suggest. Speak with the man. Ask him if he is qualified to his knowledge. Then if he says yes that he is, suggest him. Because we need men who are qualified to serve as elders in this congregation. This morning, we're going to look at the work of elders in the Lord's church. Oftentimes, when a congregation needs to appoint new elders, they will, uh, they'll have perhaps only one lesson. And that lesson details the list found in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 of character qualities that the men are to have. But then they get into the office and they have been blindsided because we never talked about what they were supposed to do. And so this morning we're going to talk first about what they're supposed to do as an elder. What is expected of an elder? What are they supposed to do when they are appointed? And that way you can also understand better why God requires men of such deliberate character in order to serve as elders. So let's focus our study on what the elders are expected to do for a congregation of the Lord's church. There are three words that are going to be helpful to us. They're used in the New Testament to describe elders. Each one presents a different side of the men and their work in the church. And so today we're going to focus on those three words and what they teach us about the work of elders in the church. Those three words are elder, overseer, and shepherd. Those three words tell us a great deal about elders. If you look in Acts chapter 20 with me, uh, verse 17 you'll find that Paul is calling to himself the elders of the Ephesian church. That's Acts chapter 20 and verse 17. And there I would underline the word elders. I've done that in my Bible. This morning I thought, I better do that. And I looked and it was already done. And so that was great. But if you don't have elders underlined there, I would underline it because this is an important passage. As he continues addressing those elders from Ephesus and you come to verse 28... You'll see that Paul says to them, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers 
I'd underline that word. And then he says, to shepherd. I'd underline shepherd the, the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. And so as he addresses elders, he refers to them those three ways as elders, as overseers, and as shepherds. And all three of those words apply to the same set of men in the Lord's church. Look now at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. This is another place, another person in fact, who refers to elders in the Lord's church with these same three terms. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And I would make some underlines here as we come to these words. Peter says, Therefore I exhort the elders among you, I'd underline elders, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight. You see that? Shepherd the flock, exercising oversight. Not under compulsion, he says, but voluntarily, according to the will of God. Not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. So here we see the same three words describing these men. Elders, shepherds, and those who exercise oversight for the church. It's not an accident that they both did this. It's not a coincidence. Uh, this is part of the plan and pattern of God, which helps us to understand these men and their work in the church. Uh, you'll see on a, on a screen behind me the definition of these words, and you may chuckle at one. That's the elder word, and that just means old. They're old guys. But you know there's something to that. God knows there's something to it. That you have to be a man who has experienced a certain amount of life in order to effectively lead his people. As we look in the coming weeks at the qualities of character that an elder is to have, we'll see that that certain stage of life and wisdom is necessary. It's part of what God requires to serve as an elder. The second is overseer. It's a supervisor or a guardian and especially the thought of a guardian is important. The overseers of a congregation must guard the traditions of the apostles given to us through the pages of the New Testament. They must see to it that this congregation is working the way God designed. They're to guard that. And it is, you can ask any of them yourself, it is a very active sort of guarding that they must do. Because in many places, the church has begun to run the way man desires. And they've left behind those sacred teachings and sacred doctrines, sacred traditions handed down by the apostles for the whims of mankind. And so overseers are to guard those things. Shepherd is the last word. To herd or tend. To lead to pasture. This is also the word that's translated pastor. And it applies to elders and overseers and shepherds. Pastor, same group of people. Not me, if you're wondering. And so, they're to watch out. They're to shepherd the church. 
The imagery of a shepherd is strong. It's a leader, a protector, a caretaker, a guide. If we were to use a spiritual metaphor to talk about what a shepherd does for the church, they guide the sheep to safe feeding grounds. To talk about it more literally, they spend time examining the teachings and beliefs of the minister and anyone who teaches anything to any part of the congregation. That is part of what it means to be a shepherd and to be a good shepherd. I can't tell you the countless times and and perhaps hours that we've spent together talking about difficult subjects just so that I'm sure they understand where I'm at and I understand where they're at and so that they know whether or not to fire me. That's a little joke. But you understand, it's important that we understand each other. That they check in on me. Make sure I'm not going some strange direction and then I get up here and say something strange and all of you buy into it like sheep. It's the way the Bible puts it. And so they're careful about that. Not everything a shepherd does is peaceful. Sometimes there's false teaching that does arrive and they remove it either by correction or removing the one providing it if they refuse correction. Not everything a shepherd does is peaceful, but he does everything to keep peace between God and the church. Those three words describe the person and work of an elder. I want to do something now with the rest of our time that I don't know if you've done before. I want to look at Acts chapter 20. And I want to examine exactly what Paul's charge to those elders was. Let's turn back there together to Acts chapter 20. Looking down to about verse 25. Paul spends some time with these elders telling them about his visions and that he's going to Jerusalem and he's going to be bound and harmed and all of these things. But as we get to 25, he says, Behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. So Paul's telling them he's going to die before he comes to see them again. We know that they're extremely sad over this. In verse 37, they weep and and they embrace him and, and they're so saddened over that. But imagine these are the last words that Paul is going to impart to them in person. The last things he can say to them before he is dead. And so he has this to say to those elders. Verse 26, Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. I want you to think about what Paul said, that he is innocent of the blood of all men. And understand that that holds special significance, not just for Christians in general, but for elders especially. Those who are watching over a congregation of God's people, who are responsible for the direction of that congregation, and holding them to God's path, they must be able to look at the Christians in their care And be sure that they have given them the whole purpose of God. The entirety of the truth. 
An eldership who sweeps sin under the rug to maintain an illusion of peace will be racked with guilt because there will be those who fall away due to their cowardice. Elders must declare the whole purpose of God to the congregation in their care because they need to be able to say on the judgment day, I'm innocent of all men. I declared the whole purpose of God. Then he continues on in verse 28 saying, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. I want you to notice, be on guard, not just for the flock, but for yourselves. Elders watch over and maintain the purity of the church, but they also, they watch out for each other. They are men. They will and do make mistakes. And it's important that all of us understand that. Sometimes we get some far out idea that elders are perfect, that they've reached the pinnacle of Christianity and they never make mistakes anymore. Simply not the case. Any of them will tell you that. And if you're a man who's looking at yourself and saying, I haven't reached perfection yet, that's not the point. You can serve as an elder and be an imperfect man. We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. But just because you haven't reached a level of quote-unquote perfection, flawlessness doesn't mean you are not elder material. That's why there's more than one in every congregation. That's why there's elders in every congregation. Because if you have just one, he will make a mistake. He will mislead the church because there will be no one to guard him against his own sin. That's why there's multiples. That's why now whenever we are coming down to losing one or perhaps two of our elders and there would only be a couple of them left, it's, it is imperative that we install more men so that we have a group to watch one another, to guard one another, so that we aren't led astray because someone just didn't see what was going on. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. And then he says, continuing in verse 28, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Center in on the church of God. That's not a a name that goes on a building. That's not just a, a description. That is ownership. That's who it belongs to. And these elders and members alike must always remember that the church belongs to God. He is the owner of it. Elders have been entrusted with its care and guidance, but only in the ways that God has prescribed. And so they are to remember that it is His church, first and foremost. Continuing in verse 29, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. I want you to catch that 
He's warning them about these savage wolves who are going to come in. And then he says, from among your own selves. Who's his audience? Who are the only ones standing there with Paul talking with him? It's the elders in Ephesus who've come to meet him. From among them, their own selves, there would be those who would rise up. Some fail to make that connection that it wasn't just those in the church who would rise up, but among the eldership, there would be men in that city who would rise up seeking to draw the disciples after themselves rather than to God. So they were to guard. They were to be watchful because that would happen to them. And we, we would be blind to think that it couldn't happen today. To think that it hasn't happened in many places today. Because an eldership failed to guard, failed to watch. Therefore, he says in verse 31, Be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. Did you catch that? I don't think Paul mentions his work admonishing each one with tears for night and day for three years. I don't think he mentions that for no reason to these elders. He mentions that because that's part of their work that they're going to continue in his absence. They're going to continue with tears. That is, with great care and emotion and feeling. They will be working in the church to teach, to admonish, to keep everyone in the right path so that they can go to heaven. Then he says, now, verse 32, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Elders rely tirelessly on God's help through the word He has provided. Verse 33, I've coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. In everything, I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that He Himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Elders, by working hard, are to help the weak. Elders are especially tasked with watching out for those who often go unseen or unnoticed. That includes the the widows. It includes the older members, the shut-ins. It goes for the young children who often just pass by our kneecaps unseen or not unheard, but... It also has to do with the new Christian who isn't yet comfortable in the skin of a Christian, hasn't yet really been, uh, been feeling comfortable coming to worship, perhaps is ignored by members who just simply aren't really thinking in that direction. The elders are to be aware, to seek them out, to care for them because they are weak in their new baby steps in Christ. 
there to help them. In 1 Peter chapter 5, we find Peter's message to elders and congregations. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. That's what we'll read together. His message is less wordy than Paul's. Imagine that. But he has some very important things to say. Things which we need to listen to. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. He says, Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you. You notice that? The flock of God among you, that's important. That means the elders are responsible for the congregation which they shepherd. It is sinful for an eldership to shepherd a congregation across the country, across the state, across the street. If they are not part of it. If they are not among it. Does that make sense? And an elder really can't be among two congregations at the same time. Never is it seen in Scripture, never would I prescribe it. Although many today are doing it. It's not the way God intended. He says in verse 2, Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily. And this idea of voluntarily according to the will of God, I think has been twisted and misused and misapplied by men who simply don't want to do what God has set forth for them to do. They would say something like, well, I don't really feel like doing the work. I don't want to do it. Or perhaps I don't desire it. And so I'm not going to volunteer for it. If a man is qualified in every respect except that he would have to be compelled to serve or forced to serve, Number one, I'd say he's not qualified. I wouldn't want that man serving in a congregation where I was preaching or where I was a member. Not for all the money in the world. But number two, he needs to do some growing. That's not a place any Christian man is intended to stay for any length of time. That's like a Christian who is baptized, comes up out of the water, and says, well, I know I'm, I'm supposed to be reading my Bible, but I just I don't really want to. I know that I'm supposed to be friendly toward Christians, but I just don't really want to. I know I ought to come and worship with the saints, but I don't really want to. 
There's a certain amount of time there where you say, well, I know that it's not easy and you don't want to, but you need to grow through that. And you need to grow past that. And and soon you will want to because you've tried to change yourself. And God working through you, through His message and through His Word, is changing you. And you need to let that happen. Why don't we teach that to men who decide for years upon years upon years Decades even that they just, even though they're qualified, don't feel like serving for one reason or another. Why haven't you grown through that? Don't you see the Lord's church needs to be protected? Don't you see that this congregation will go astray if you don't? Would you rather grow or die? Because really, those are very close to the options that we have. A congregation with men who refuse to serve in ways that they're capable is a congregation that will die. That's not to put undue importance on men, that's true of any Christian. But for our purpose this morning, considering elders, it's very appropriate. He says, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God. Not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. With eagerness, he says, Instead of needing to be forced to serve, every every Christian man ought to want to serve, ought to be eager to serve, even if it means late nights, hard discussions, unpleasant decisions, which it will. Every man ought to be eager to undertake that, not because it's going to bring him endless joy and, and blessed rest, but because it's what the church needs. Because it's what God's people need. And if you choose to deny them that, they will be deficient. They will be spiritually impoverished as a result. Looking at the work of elders, I hope it's given you some understanding about why God's required men of very deliberate character. We're going to look at that in the coming weeks. But these men have to have reached a certain point in life. And they, God requires this because of all the work that we've talked about this morning. They're elders. They're men who have experience and wisdom concerning this life and how to successfully live it in the light. They're overseers. They're men who guard the sacred traditions of the apostles found in the New Testament, and they teach the congregation to walk in those sacred paths. And they're shepherds. They're men who lead, protect, guide, take care of the flock of God among them. Next week, We're going to talk about that deliberate character that God has required. 
of men who serve the church in this way. I hope you see the importance of having men of character to do this work. It can't be left to those unprepared to undertake it. It must be given into the hands that respect God, that know His Word and care for His church. I would love to just keep on having this talk and continue talking about elders and all the things and just do it all today and spend five hours together. But we might all be sleepy at that time. And so let's, let's pause this discussion for today. Let's come back together again and continue thinking about elders. Continue looking at our congregation, looking at the men who you see day in and day out, who you know that you can not only count on to be at worship services, but who you know care for your soul. Who you know have grown to understand and respect the will of God. Think of those men. Talk with them. Find out who they are if you don't know already. And discuss what you hope they will achieve in Christ for this congregation. Suggest to them that they perhaps would be a good leader, a good elder, good shepherd, good overseer. Let them mull on that. Let them think of it if they have not before. And men, don't be afraid. If someone comes to you and has that discussion with you, and don't be offended if they do not. This process is not one that's intended to be swift. It's not intended to be the fastest. It's intended to be carefully undertaken. Not just by the minister or the elders, but by everyone. So please... Undertake it with great care and consideration about what we're doing, who we are and who we will be. We've come to the end of our studies for this morning. There may be someone here who has studied the Scriptures and through them decided that you believe in Jesus, the Son of God, that you're willing to repent of your sins and obey Him instead, confessing Him before us and being baptized for forgiveness of your sins in His name. If that's you today, and we invite you to, to make that known to us. We're going to sing a song together, and that's the time when you can, whichever aisle is the closest to you, just march right down. Our elders will come down and speak with you, help you with whatever you need, whatever spiritual guidance you require, whatever spiritual thing you request. They are the ones to help. But they can't help if you don't let them know anything. So this morning, if you have a spiritual need, whether it's to become a Christian or as a Christian to return to the Lord, this morning is the time. Please, if you have a need this morning, make it known by coming forward as we stand and sing.